0: The answer is this. The benefits which in this life do accompany or flow from justification, adoption, and sanctification are, and i repeat after me, assurance of God's love, of God's love. peace of, conscience, peace of conscience, joy in the Holy Spirit, joy of the Holy Spirit. Increase, of grace, increase of grace, and perseverance therein to the end. Our scripture reading for this evening is Romans chapter 5. We will look at verses 1 through 5. Paul the Apostle wrote to the church in Rome saying, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So far the reading of God's most holy word. May He add His blessing to the preaching of it this evening. So justification, adoption, and sanctification are the primary benefits that come to those who have faith in Jesus. This is what we have been learning over the past number of weeks. All who are effectually called have faith in Jesus. And all who have faith in Jesus are justified, meaning they are pardoned of all their sins and clothed with the righteousness of Christ. No longer do they stand before God guilty and condemned. Instead, they stand before Him as innocent and pure because of Christ's finished work. All who have faith in Jesus are also adopted. They were once children of wrath, but through faith they are adopted as beloved children of God and are received into the family of God, and they receive a rich inheritance. And all who have faith in Jesus are also sanctified or made holy. They are sanctified personally, being renewed in the inner man after the image of God in true knowledge, righteousness, and holiness. And they are sanctified positionally, being set apart from the world as God's chosen and holy people. And they are also sanctified progressively, being over time made more and more holy in their way of life. And so those who are in Christ truly will mature. They will grow in wisdom. They will grow in obedience. They will learn to walk in a manner that is worthy. This is progressive sanctification. If you are in Christ, you are experiencing that. Even now you are learning to live a holy life. And from these three fountainhead blessings, as I have called them, other blessings naturally flow. Or I might put it this way, from these three foundational blessings, other blessings naturally grow. And to help us understand the relationship between the foundational or fountainhead blessings, as I have called them, and the blessings that grow from them or flow from them, let us think about justification as it occurs, not in the Christian life, but in the world. I would like for you to imagine an accused criminal standing before a judge. And I would like for you also to imagine that judge slamming his gavel down while saying the words, not guilty. That legal declaration would be a great blessing. It would be the foundational or fountainhead blessing. But think of all of the other natural blessings that would accompany or flow from that original Blessing of being declared not guilty. Because of the legal declaration, the accused would, would walk out of the courtroom a free man. That blessing of freedom would flow from the legal declaration of not guilty. A great weight would be lifted from his shoulders in the moment that he hears those words, not guilty. He would be free to return home to his family and friends to enjoy their company. He would be free to work. He would be free from the fear of the threat of the law. And so you can see how the primary blessing of justification as a legal act would naturally produce many other blessings in the whole of life, perhaps too many blessings to even be mentioned here. Or we might also think of adoption as it occurs, not in the Christian faith, but in the world. The one who is adopted, which is a legal arrangement at its core, by the way, enjoys many blessings as a result. The one who is adopted enjoys the love of mother and father, the blessing of family life, the provision of food and shelter, clothing, protection, and discipline, to name just a few things. So the act of adoption uh, from that act flow many, many blessings enjoyed in the whole of life. And so it is in Christ. Those who are brought to faith are justified adopted and sanctified and we are here saying that many many blessings naturally flow from these fountainhead blessings Paul does speak to this in that Romans 5 passage that we read at the beginning of the sermon there in that passage his focus is on the benefits that flow from justification There he says again, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And So it is not difficult to see that Paul treats justification as the primary foundational fountainhead blessing. And then he speaks of this peace with God as one of the blessings that flows from it. And truly that is a great blessing to have peace with God. Apart from Christ, apart from faith in Christ, we are not at peace with God. But instead, we stand in our natural condition under His wrath. That is what John 3.36 says very clearly. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. That is the State in which all who are not in Christ live. They live in this world with the wrath of God looming over them, the wrath of God remaining on them if they do not believe in the only begotten Son of God. Paul goes on in this Romans 5 passage to mention other blessings that flow from our justification through faith in Christ. He says, Through Him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. So here is another benefit that flows from our justification. We have access to the Father. We are able to stand before Him, blameless, through the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And again, what a tremendous blessing this is, to be able to come before God and to stand before Him. And it belongs to those who have been justified by faith in Christ. I do pray that those of you who have been in Christ for a long time, maybe even from childhood would not forget what a blessing it is to stand before God guiltless and pure. Do you ever think of that? The fact that you are able to stand before God guiltless and pure is a tremendous blessing, and it is a blessing not enjoyed by the world. They stand before God guilty and condemned under His wrath, and I think they know it. Those not in Christ stand before God guilty. The wrath of God remains on them, And again, I think they know it. They may suppress that truth. They may deny that they know it, but they know it. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. I'm here quoting from Romans chapter 1 verses 18 and 19. That that, that passage in Romans tells us clearly that the world stands guilty before God. The natural world speaks of their guilt before God. They know it, but what do they do? They work very hard to suppress that reality, to, to suppress that truth that is engraven upon their hearts and that is sensed by their conscience that is given to sin. Men and women who are not in Christ know that there is a God and that they have sinned against Him. They may have learned to suppress that truth very effectively, and thoroughly, but deep down, they know that they have sinned against God and will one day be judged by Him. And I am here saying that that is a terrible way to live. It is a terrible way to live, to have a conscience that is so burdened. And as I've said, most do find some way to suppress this knowledge. I think they must, in fact, if they are to survive. They must find some way. If they are not going to come to Christ for the forgiveness of sin, they must find some way to suppress that, that burden so that they can just function in life. They distract themselves with the things of this world. They pursue pleasure. They medicate. They labor diligently to form philosophies which deny the existence of God or the sinfulness of man so as to escape the knowledge that God exists and that he will one day judge all evil. And some of them are very, very good at this act of suppression. They have to be if they are to cope. But those in Christ are free from this burden. They are justified. They stand before God righteous. They are at peace with God. This terrible burden of guilt has been lifted through faith in the Savior that God has provided. Christ Jesus our Lord. Having been justified we are at peace with God. We have access to the Father and stand before Him by God's grace. And Paul goes on to say in this Romans 5 passage that we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So... Through faith we are justified, and because we are justified we are at peace with God, and because we are at peace with God we stand before Him. And all of this produces hope and joy. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God, the Apostle says. All of this that streams from from justification, all of this that streams from justification eventually produces within the heart of the believer joy and hope. And then he continues saying, not only that, it's almost as if Paul here says, but wait, there's more, right? But wait, there's even more to add to all of these blessings that flow from justification. There's even more, but we rejoice in our sufferings, the apostle says, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So, So when I read that, I'm I'm moved to stop and to just say, wow, how blessed we are in Christ Jesus. How blessed we are to be justified by Him. The one who has faith in Christ, the one who is justified and at peace with God, is is even able to rejoice or to take joy in suffering. We have that ability if we are in Christ Jesus. We are able to rejoice or take joy in suffering. How? How? Because we know that endurance produces character and hope. More than this, we are able to rejoice in suffering, knowing that the God who has pardoned all our sins in Christ Jesus, so that we might be reconciled to him, he loves us. He loves us. That seems to be the point of the apostle. He loves us so that even when we suffer, we know that he is working through that suffering for our good. Do you believe that, brothers and sisters? Do you really believe that? Not only now when life is good, perhaps for you, but in the moment of suffering, do you believe that that God is working even that suffering for good because He loves you? We must believe it, is what the Scriptures so clearly say. So Paul himself identified justification as a fountainhead blessing from which many other blessings flow. And of course, our catechism does not just have Romans 5 in view, but the whole of Scripture. And I think it is right, therefore, to ident- identify justification adoption and sanctification as three fountainhead blessings and to say that assurance of god's love peace of conscience joy in the holy spirit increase of grace and perseverance there into the end do accompany or flow from these our catechism rightly summarizes the teaching of holy scripture here on this point so now let us briefly consider the answer that our catechism gives piece by piece What are the benefits which in this life do accompany or flow from justification, adoption, and sanctification? The first that is mentioned is assurance of God's love. Assurance of God's love. Brothers and sisters, if you have faith in Christ, you have been justified, adopted, and sanctified, and you can rest assured that God loves you. He loves you, not because you were lovely, but because He determined to set His love upon you. He loves you because He has determined. To set his love upon you. First John three, one says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. You can hear a reference there to adoption, can't you? But the, the writer here, John, is is saying to us, Look at how 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 marvelous the love of, of God is for us. He calls us his children. He has adopted us as his own, and, and so we are. We are his children. His love is great. And Paul in Romans 8, 31 and following, asks, Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? And what is Paul's answer a little bit further down? He says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That should sound very familiar to you. It was a part of our liturgy even this morning, I think, wasn't it? As we recited this text together in a responsive reading. What is the point? If God has justified you in Christ Jesus, you may rest assured of His love for you. He loves you surely and nothing can take that away from you. Nothing at all. You can't even take it away from yourself. God has set His love upon you. From the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord, uh, nothing can separate us. And so if you are justified, adopted, and sanctified, you have assurance of God's love. The second benefit mentioned is peace of conscience. If you are in Christ, then you are at peace with God, for your sins have been atoned for and your guilt removed. You are right with God because you have been clothed in Christ's righteousness. And this objective peace with God is the ground of the subjective peace that resides within your soul. Did you follow what I just said there? There is an objective peace of God that cannot be changed. You are actually really at peace with God because of Christ's finished work on the cross. You were once enemies of God, but now you are beloved children. You are at peace with Him. This peace is not something that we even have to experience to make it true. It just flat out is true. You are at peace with God, and this objective peace, this reality that I'm here speaking of, is what makes subjective peace within your soul possible. This is what makes peace within your soul experientially possible. No longer is your conscience burdened by the reality of your sin and guilt and the sure expectation of judgment, for all of that has been removed by Christ You really are at peace with God, and therefore you really do experience peace of conscience, or at least you should, or at least you should in the Christian life. The third benefit mentioned is joy in the Holy Spirit. We are said to have joy in the Holy Spirit, for it is the Holy Spirit that helps us and that gives us this joy. He ministers to our souls and reminds us of the benefits that are ours in Christ Jesus as He works with the Word of God. And if all that we have been saying regarding justification, adoption, and sanctification is true, which it certainly is, then how could you not have joy? Isn't that a good question to ask? If all of this is true, then how could you not have joy? Indeed, as has already been said, the Christian is able to rejoice even in the face of great tribulation. We are able to count it all joy when we meet trials of various kinds, for we know that the testing of our faith produces steadfastness, to quote here from James 1, 2 through 3. We know that the God who loves us and the God we love works all things together for our good. The fourth benefit mentioned is increase of grace. The Christian is saved by the grace of God at the beginning, and the Christian does grow in grace until the very end. To increase in grace is to grow in Christ And this is certainly one of the benefits that flows from justification, adoption, and sanctification. Our catechism, you will notice, lists Proverbs 4.18 as a proof text for this concept. And I think that Proverbs 4.18 is very beautiful. Uh, Listen to it. It says, But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. What a beautiful image. The path of the righteous, the righteous person's life is comparable to the light of dawn. You're in darkness all night and then at some point you begin to see light breaking upon the horizon. And if you take the time to watch that sun rise, you will see that that light progressively grows brighter and brighter until the sun is above the horizon shining forth with fullness of strength. And what Proverbs 4.18 is saying is that is... That is what uh, the life of the righteous person is like. Uh, Perhaps there is only a little bit of light at the beginning, but over time there is growth in grace, there is growth in Christ, there is maturity, there is progress made in sanctification, uh, so that at the end of life that light is shining more brightly than it was at first, or at least it should be. The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn which shines brighter and brighter until full day, but the way of the wicked, the proverb goes on to say, is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. I think that is a very powerful image there. Those justified and adopted will grow in Christ. They will be progressively sanctified by God's grace. They will be like the light of dawn which shines brighter and brighter until full day. And the fifth benefit mentioned here by our Catechism is perseverance therein to the end. Those who are justified, adopted, and sanctified through faith in Christ will persevere in grace until the end. None will be lost, for God preserves those who belong to Him. Uh, This is what Peter speaks of in 1 Peter 1, 3-5. There he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance. Now listen to how this inheritance is described. To an inheritance that is imperishable, that means it cannot perish, undefiled, it cannot be defiled, and unfading, it cannot fade, kept in heaven For you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Things couldn't be stated more clearly than this. If you are in Christ Jesus truly, if you have faith truly, then you have an inheritance that that cannot be diminished in any way. It is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. It is kept in heaven for you, not by you, but by God Himself. And you yourself are being guarded by God. And by His power, you're being kept for the fullness of the salvation that will be yours at the end of time. It's a wonderfully encouraging passage. So to say that salvation can be lost really does reveal that you have not understood the gospel. You did not earn your salvation at the start, and you do not earn it through perseverance now. Salvation is of the Lord. He gave it to you in the beginning, and He preserves you in it. We must persevere. This is true. But we are preserved by God's grace. This is also true. Christ will keep all who are His. Yes, there are false professors. Yes, some make false professions of faith. And how do we know who they are? We know them by their fruits, the scriptures say. And as John says, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are all not of us. I think this is a very important passage here. Of course, John, ministering in the early church, had to explain what we should think about those who profess Christ for a time and then walk away. And what does he say to us? Well, when they walk away from Christ and they deny Him, it only shows that they were never really in Christ. They were never really in Christ or in the church truly. They were false professors. Uh, We must see this to be true. Those who truly belong to Christ will persevere until the very end. Though men may fool other men for a time, God is never fooled, for He knows who are His. He chose them in eternity past. Christ atoned for their sins, and He will bring them safely home. They have, to quote Peter again, that inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for them, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Friends, these doctrines that I'm presenting to you are very practical. They're very practical. How important it is for you to know what is yours in Christ Jesus. If you have faith in Christ, you are justified, adopted, and sanctified. And how important it is for you to also know what blessings flow from these, being justified, adopted, and sanctified, ought to produce assurance of God's love, peace of conscience, joy in the Holy Spirit, increase of grace, and perseverance there unto the end. But perhaps you have noticed that these blessings are not automatic. Have you noticed that? These blessings that flow from the three fountainhead blessings are not automatic. If you are in Christ, God surely loves you. His love for you is sure, for it is rooted not in you, but in His decree and in the work that Christ has finished on your behalf. But we do not always feel assured of it. Have you noticed that? We do not always subjectively feel assured of God's love. And there are many reasons for this. Our confession speaks of some of the reasons in chapter 18, paragraph 4. And I want you to hear it. And I am moving towards a conclusion, brothers and sisters. Chapter 18, paragraph 4 of our confession says that true believers, true believers, may have the assurance of their salvation Diverse ways shaken, in different ways shaken, diminished and intermitted, as by negligence in preserving it, by falling into some special sin which woundeth the conscience and grieveth the spirit, by some sudden or vehement temptation, by God's withdrawing the light of His countenance and suffering even such as fear Him to walk in darkness and to have no light, Yet are they never destitute of the seed of God and the life of faith, that love of Christ and the brethren, that sincerity of heart and conscience of duty, out of which, by the operation of the Spirit, this assurance may in due time be revived, and by the which, in the meantime, they are preserved from utter despair. I don't have the time to unpack all of that for you. You can go and look at that quote for yourself from... Lennon Baptist Confession chapter 18 paragraph 4. But it is a beautiful statement I think. It acknowledges that though our salvation is sure we do not always feel the assurance and there are very many reasons for that. It may be that we have given in to some temptation and we have committed some sin so that we have lost that subjective sense of the love of God for us or the assurance of our salvation. It may be that we're just going through a difficult time. It may be uh, that we have neglected to preserve this sense of assurance by not reading the scriptures or neglecting the fellowship or some other thing. There are many reasons for it. Again, we do not always feel assured of God's love, but we should. For God, love, for God's love for us in Christ is sure. I could say the same thing about the other benefits which flow from justification, adoption, and sanctification. They are not automatic. They are unshakably ours, but we must pursue them. Again, assurance of God's love, peace of conscience, joy in the Holy Spirit, increase of grace, and perseverance therein to the end. And so I will conclude by, again, asking question 39. What are the benefits which in this life do accompany or flow from justification, adoption, and sanctification? And the answer is, the benefits which in this life do accompany or flow from justification, adoption, and sanctification are, repeat after me once more... Assurance of God's love. love. Peace of conscience. conscience. Joy in the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Increase of grace. grace. And And perseverance therein to the end. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, your grace is amazing grace when we think of our sin and what our sin deserves, when we think of our hopeless and helpless condition in our natural state now that we are fallen into sin as a human race, it is astonishing that you would even think of us, much less provide such a wonderful salvation for us in Christ Jesus. It would have been enough for you to just pardon our sins, but you have not done that only. You have adopted us. You have sanctified us and are even still you have reconciled us to yourself so that we might come before you and stand before you with boldness we are your beloved children you have lavished your love and your grace upon us father i pray that you would open our eyes as your people to see more and more clearly just how blessed we are and i do pray that this would produce gratitude within us so that we live in obedience to always I pray that this would produce joy in our hearts, even in the midst of tribulations, O Lord. We thank you that we have this assurance of your love. Father, help us to know for sure that you do love us. God, we pray that you would bless your people, strengthen our faith day by day for our good and the glory of your name. And all of God's people say, Amen.